You're listening to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe, a podcast dedicated to women at all stages of our health and wellness journey. I'm Christy from Christy Lee Nutrition. And I'm Cammy from This Mum's Kitchen. And together, we're here to inspire you with the knowledge and confidence to love into your mind, body, spirit, and lifestyle. Now set aside some time for you and join us on this cup-filling journey. Hello and welcome back to Nourish, Nurture, Breathe. This is Cami, and I'm here for episode 12 of season 2. You might have heard that Christy and I are changing up the format a little bit of our episodes this season. So of course we're going to be doing our signature episodes when Christy and I are here together diving deep into topics we both love. But we're also going to be introducing solo episodes like this one and also episodes where we invite guest speakers onto the show as well. So let's get started. So today we're going to be exploring the concept of primary food and looking into how what is off the plate massively impacts our food choices and also how those food choices manifest in our inward and outward expressions of health. When I was thinking about how to plan these solo episodes, um, I was a little bit stuck about where to start because in holistic health and integrative nutrition, There is just so much to talk about because we're looking at the whole being. So we're looking at what's on the plate, what's off the plate, and also the environment around us. And when I'm working with clients, we always start with their personal journey. So it's sort of where we begin comes through those first sessions and interviews of discovery around where they're at and what they're looking to achieve. But of course, in this podcast setting, you know, I don't know really who I'm talking to. And I so wanted it to be valuable for you and to be a a journey that we can go on together through these episodes. So in deciding where to start, I thought, well, where better than the beginning? And the beginning in how I teach health and wellness is understanding and nurturing the difference between what we call primary and secondary food. So very briefly, and we'll dive into this more throughout the episode, but I'd really like you to understand the definition, you know, from the offset. Primary food is everything that is off the plate. So it's all those elements and factors in our lives that aren't food or drink. And secondary food is what we choose to eat and drink. It can feel like a strange definition distinction at first, like it's the wrong way around. I know it did for me. But when you work into it and love into it and open wide with self-awareness and the importance of self-care and listening to yourself and to others, you really get to understand the incredible significance of primary food on everything in our lives. I talk about health as a journey to understanding and to self-awareness and opening wide. And if you've listened to the episodes in our first season, you would have heard me talk about this again and again. I'm sure I mention it every episode. Um, And it's because it really is where it's at. 
And I've done the same, you know, I've been on this journey of embracing the definition between primary food and secondary food and really loving into the fact that it is primary food that makes the difference. And I've had to go on a very personal journey as part of my training as an integrative nutrition health coach um, in order to be able to do this first myself, understand the importance of it myself in my own life in order to then go on and be the best coach I possibly can be and to help clients achieve really sustainable results. And believe me when I say It's all about self-awareness. And even if you read the testimonials from clients on my Facebook page, that's what they say too. You know, they all get started wanting to learn about nutrition, wanting nutrition plans. What should I eat? What shouldn't I eat? What time of day should I eat? And okay, we do, of course, look at the food on the plate and the drinks. Of course we do. But where we start is in really embedding the realisation of the power of primary food. And so that's what I'm going to do with this episode. So to, I guess, really bring it home, um, I'm going to tell a bit about my own personal journey. So I believe I started my holistic health journey um, relatively recently, or at least knowingly. And that was after the birth of my daughter, Sabrina, who's my second child. I told this story a little bit before in the first episode of this podcast um, and I'm not sure if you've already heard it there but I'll keep it relatively brief here and you can go and listen to the longer version in that episode number one if you'd like to. But basically I'd worked in food health and nutrition as a writer and journalist for near on 15 years by the time Sabrina was born. I had a solid base nutritionally, I'd always been physically active and I felt good Um, And, you know, it was my job and it still is to know and research and understand all the different dietary theories, how food works in the body, to dive into studies and write informed copy um, in the nutritional health, wellness and food space. So I'd been living and adopting that knowledge in my own life, sort of just through osmosis and generally felt pretty healthy. You know, I'd, I'd hit some hiccups in the road, which I'm sure I'll talk about in other episodes but by the time my daughter was born you know and and obviously I already had my son Matteo by then I was generally in a pretty good space I'd had two wonderful pregnancies two wonderful births two thriving babies but what happened with me when Sabrina was about eight or nine months old is that I realized that I had actually lost me in the equation And it had happened totally unknowingly and sort of crept up on me because I was so taken by just how much love I was feeling for everyone in my family. You know, so much love for my son, for my daughter, for my husband. I was doing a job that I'm so passionate about and I was funneling energy into beautifully um, rewarding friendships and work. But I had just slipped off and the self-care element, the the stopping and, and, and reviewing and, and just checking in on my cup, you know, my only personal cup, my cami cup, not how happy people I love are, but how, how fulfilled, I guess, and how full I felt um, had dropped off. And I always use the analogy of filling your cup because 
I believe so fully that this is where health is. We can do nothing if our cup is empty. And in that particular moment, my cup was empty. I was scraping at the bottom with a teaspoon and there just wasn't even a drop left. And I knew something had to change. And one of my clients I was working with at the time was a holistic health coach. I'd worked on her book with her the previous year when I was pregnant. And all of those teachings, all of those off-the-plate teachings, they were front of mind. It wasn't just about nutrition and exercise. You know, health is so much more. And I was really starting to understand that for the first time ever. And then another girlfriend said to me, and she knew that I was, you know, working in the nutrition space and that also personally friends and families were always asking me for recipes and nutrition advice Um, and she suggested I look into the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and so I did that and just jumped straight in and in gaining this qualification in integrative nutrition which I hold so dear I also learned so much about myself and about the world and how we work as human beings as whole holistic beings But it was a bit of a struggle for me at the beginning because I was expecting to only learn about nutrition and the biology and chemistry of of food in the body. But actually what happened is I started on this incredibly deep personal journey of opening wide and self-awareness, the importance of self-care and self-understanding. All these things that I talk so much about now and they, they weren't worded like that in the course but you know just in my own time and my own self-exploration that's really what I've identified as being the key but please believe me when I say that I was really resistant at first because opening up is really really hard. So one of the first premises we were introduced to in the fundamental modules of the course so even before the actual study itself began was this concept of primary food And that in becoming coaches, we were going to have to dig deep into ourselves in order to truly help others. What I now know so clearly is that primary food is what keeps us in balance, is what keeps our cups full, and it is what is so important to have in line and in flow in order to make the best of our secondary food choices. So that's of what we put on our plate and our state of being while we consume them and it all makes such a huge difference. So I don't know if this is resonating yet and I would love to hear from you in regards to your perceptions and journey of sort of, I guess, accepting the primary food premise as this episode unfolds. But to help you, let's dive further into what primary food is and how I think learning about this concept, even just in an episode like this one, can be so valuable to you. And I'll also give you some practical steps to do at the end. So start off by just thinking of a time in your life when you were really, really happy and your cup was just so full and love was coming at you from all directions. How did you feel? Do you remember what you were eating or how much exercise you were doing? I'll give you a very recent example of mine. So just over a year ago, me, Luis, my husband, and Matteo and Sabrina, our kids, took a trip back to Italy, which is where I lived during my 20s, where Luis and I met, and where a great deal of my very best friends in the world are. Also, on this particular trip, 
um, my family came to visit us and also my very best friend in the world and her kids. So the last few times we'd gone back to Italy before this one, I hadn't been able to take advantage of all the beautiful food and wine because I'd either been pregnant um, or I was there for our wedding and just wasn't really hungry. But this time I had no baby in my belly and no wedding to get organised and I just ate and drank exactly what I wanted. Pasta, pizza, cheese, all the cold meats, wine, pastries, Aperol spritz, desserts, ice cream. I just said yes to everything and I wasn't gorging myself but I wasn't saying no you know and we were there for over four weeks so definitely a significant enough period for me to put on weight if I was going to but I didn't put on weight in fact I lost it I lost about maybe two or three kilos was I exercising no not specifically there was incidental movement but not heaps of activity and I definitely wasn't going for runs or going to the gym or anything like that but I was glowing. My skin was fresh, my muscles were lean, and I was glowing from the inside out. And you know, if you look at a nutrition table or a plan from a dietitian or a coach that you might get, you know, it was full of pasta, pizza, desserts, pastries, like honestly, truly not, not ideal. But I was in pure joy, and that was what was making the difference. My cup was being filled by the people around me, by the place that I love, by the absolute feeling of belonging and acceptance. And when I got home to Perth and thought about it and looked back on the trip, I realised just how much of an incredible example of primary food that trip was. When I looked at my secondary food choices while we'd been on the holiday, and while I'd said no to nothing, every time I ate or drank, I'd done so with joy, thanks to the people I was with and the place I so love and I guess just feeling the gratitude for those beautiful, homely flavours that I, you know, so I guess long for because that's my heritage, that's my history. So I was always eating mindfully and slowly because the conversation and the joy of where we were was so important. So ultimately I probably ate less. Is there a time like that in your story that you can think of that somehow or other, you know, those secondary food choices, they just weren't what was most important about looking and feeling and being at your best? What about on the flip side when your cup is feeling really empty or something is weighing you down? When we're feeling like that, our approach to secondary food, it has like more of a almost like a a desperation or a dependence about it. We can feel that need to fill a a spiritual or or a psychological or a metaphorical emptiness with physical food and drink. But the point is, it's not a physical void. So the physicality of food and drink, it's actually not going to help. It's definitely not going to solve anything in the long term, no matter how it can sometimes feel good in the short term. So what we need to do really is find the non-physical, whatever that area of primary food which is lacking or feeling deprived in that time, and love into that instead. And this is something to embrace in the world of cravings as well. 
cravings aren't something to be afraid of and they're definitely not, you know, like the devil. Cravings are actually things to love into because they're like little indicators of something else. I'll give you another example um, in recent time in the COVID-19 lockdown and I'm going to share um, my example because I prefer to share personally but um, you know so much of this has resonated in my sessions with um, clients as well and I know it's something that will no doubt resonate around the world but during the recent COVID-19 lockdown um, I live in Perth Western Australia so we were relatively lucky and we had a pretty easy go of it but we didn't know that when it was starting so I'm from the UK. I lived in Italy for a long time, as I said. My family is very multicultural, um, and we have family in the UK, in Spain, Italy, in the US, and um, I've got best friends sort of dotted around the world. So we have people we love in a lot of the of what were at the time the COVID hotspots around the world. And when we were going into lockdown here in WA and and having phone calls from friends and family in Italy telling me with all the love in the world to be really careful to take it seriously to stay home how it was way more serious than many leaders in the world had originally thought and that we didn't have a handle on it and you know it was intense and the anxiety was full-on and I had my parents here they actually live in the UK they were here visiting they're knocking on the door of 80 my dad has diabetes he's ex-cancer you know high risk We were dealing with the incredibly excruciating decision of trying to decide whether we should try and get them home. But the idea of, you know, getting on a packed plane and being in airports was terrifying or keeping them here. But then what would that mean? Would they ever be able to get back to London? It was just full on. I wasn't sleeping. Um, I was feeling anxious. I was worried for my kids. um, And I was crying a lot. And During that period, I was very aware that I was resting on red wine and sugar. And this is what I talk about all the time in that it's a journey, right? And we're really not aiming for perfection. There is no perfect model. I'm definitely not going to pretend like I always, in inverted commas, you know, do the right thing. Um, There's no perfect diet. There is no one size fits all. And we most definitely don't have to go, you know, be always striving for perfection or you know being healthy or it's a journey and as long as we have this self-awareness and this ability to understand and accept where we're at give ourselves that kindness and that total non-judgmental acceptance then we can do what feels right and then know how to pull ourselves back into balance to refill that cup in a more holistic way when when that feels like the right thing to do so for me personally you know I was filling my cup in different ways some were more nourishing than others I was practicing yoga daily I was meditating I was eating well most of the time throughout the day but I was also having a glass or two of red wine and a few lines of lint chocolate pretty much every night for about a week maybe longer like I said I had no judgment about it I knew I was trying to fill a non-food void with a food and wine solution. I knew that ultimately that wasn't going to work. But I also knew that in that moment, I was just going to give myself a break. It was, in the short term, making me feel better. 
And after a while, a week or so, like I said, I was actually on the phone to Christy, the co-host on this podcast, and I said, I wasn't feeling good. I could feel the weight of the wine and the chocolate. That sort of that sort of crutch had had its time in the sun, and I was just going to stop now. It wasn't serving me. And because I'm so accepting of primary food, I knew how to shift the focus back, do work on myself, love into certain areas of that primary food circle, which I talk about in my coaching sessions to alleviate the way I was feeling due to the anxiety around COVID-19 and what it was going to feel be for my family, for my friends, for the you know the world at large, and and just love into more nourishing primary food ways around that. And really health, wellness and feeling and being our best, like I've said, is all around awareness. It really, really, really is. It doesn't start with kale. It doesn't start with broccoli. It doesn't start with hit classes or reformer Pilates or learning to run or anything like that. It starts with this self-awareness, kindness, which then leads to self-understanding and self-love. And from there, there we have acceptance, real heartfelt acceptance and that's where our foundation is that's where we need to lay our roots and as much as the garden changes as much as the seasons change as much as we grow and develop those roots in total unapologetic acceptance remain so in order to start this journey we need to get vulnerable we need to open wide and we need to dive into primary food The primary food circle is enormous and when I work with clients in a group setting or one-on-one we really dive into this in a lot of depth but for here I'd like to get you started with a taste and something practical you can take away and actively work on and add to your toolkit. So I, I really hope that this is resonating and if it is I'd love to invite you to please go and get something you can write down with now. So either a pen and, and a paper or your notes on your um, phone. Um, and if you're driving or running or walking right now, maybe just, you know, keep listening and then come back to it when you can um, write down, you know, and, and help that expression of, of openness um, come through. So I'm going to highlight three key areas which always come up at one time or another in the journey that I have with my clients we generally work together for a minimum of about six months so it takes time you know um and yeah we're gonna dive straight in now and just remember that there are no specific order there are three of many 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 elements and factors but like I said there they seem to be some they seem to be the big players so number one is relationships so these might be relationships with your partner Maybe your children, parents, friends, social circle, acquaintances, colleagues, your boss. Um, You know, it's a big topic. So really have a think about your relationships as a whole. Zone in. And what I'd like you to do is just as a first step, just grade how you feel about your relationships from zero to ten. Zero being really not happy at all and ten being extremely content. Write down that number and we'll come back to it in a bit. So number two is joy and this is how quickly you smile and laugh, how much you make others laugh, how you join in and take part, how light you feel your step in, 
how easy it is for you to get up in the morning, how happy you go about your everyday tasks. What are the things that bring you joy and how often do you do those things? How much space do you allow for joy in your life and for those things that bring you joy? Grade that feeling of joy from zero to ten. Just write it down. Okay, and number three is career or purpose. I really sort of, I often reject the use of the word career because I don't think that the validity of this segment of primary food has to correspond to something that is necessarily a job or something that you're remunerated for or remunerated highly for. So definitely don't consider this to be necessarily career. This is whatever gives you purpose. And we can feel just as much satisfaction from fulfilling our purpose and um, being rewarded for that in, in different ways. So yeah, don't sort of pigeonhole this as a job. But if it is your job, then great. So let's just be mindful, though, of not falling into the trap of guiding our success, sorry, grading our success through factors like money, power or fame, but instead to grade it through how satisfied we feel, how much happiness our purpose brings us. And this might also stretch into how appreciated you feel when you are fulfilling that purpose. It may be around Um, your level of creative expression or technical satisfaction that you get from doing that or those things. So have a think into that and also grade that um, from one to ten. Now you've got those numbers um, on your piece of paper. Um, Now it's time to dedicate about 10 minutes as a minimum and ideally way longer and come back to this in different sessions um you know a great way to do this is to start regularly journaling um or you might prefer to do it through um audio recordings on your phone and just talking into how you feel about these things um you might prefer to do it with a coach um, or in a in a group setting um, and if that's the case then you know please do reach out and I can talk to you about my mind body lifestyle um, membership and sort of what that entails and 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 how we work through primary food um, within within that coaching program but the idea is is to is to love into this area um, of your life where you're feeling like there's a little niggle and generally, when we even start just asking these, these high mileage questions around these particular focus points in our lives, things start to come forward. And it's very much a part of our natural human process to resist that sort of mm, urge to open wide. What you need to do is love into that urge, love into that, that, that hope, that, that capability that power and empowerment that can come from really opening up and loving into your self-awareness. And so whichever of those three topics really sort of hit home for you and was a little bit uncomfortable for you, that is the one where I would start. So whether it's with a journal, whether it's with a, um, 
an audio recording, whether it's with a, a, a girlfriend or with a partner, someone who you know will listen to you, just unapolog- unjudgmentally listen to you and not necessarily offer advice, but just hear you and listen to you and prompt you to open wider. Um, however you want to go about this, start to explore that area. And I often talk about um, raging on the page with a journal um, because you'll find that as you start maybe with a particular moment or a particular memory, a recollection, um, things come to the fore. And after a while, as you gain practice in journaling, um, it can just sort of, yeah, come out. And before you know it, um, you know, you're, you're, you're sharing with yourself, you're opening wide with yourself. Um, and, and that is just so incredibly nourishing. Um, it's a really scary task. I know it is. I resisted it myself at the start. And it was only through working with my own coach during my studies that I really embraced the value in opening wide and getting vulnerable. And believe me, it's worth it. There is no better medicine. There is no more solid foundation for living our best life and feeling our best than understanding ourselves fully and understanding how these segments of the primary food circle, and there are so many, play into absolutely everything we do. So start here. Let this be your inspiration. Explore one of these three areas and then choose one thing, just one, one simple little change something really small. As an example, maybe you've picked joy and you know that singing brings you joy, but you just don't sing much anymore. So maybe just find one simple way to start singing more. Maybe you'll say you'll sing with your kids in the morning or sing in the shower. Maybe you'll dedicate one evening a week to going to your local choir. Maybe you'll start a singing group with other girlfriends and friends that you know love to sing too. Maybe you'll look into having a singing teacher. It needn't be big and it needn't be costly. Simple, small, joyful, open steps are what we're about. And collecting these tools over time and adding to your self-awareness, that's what keeps our cups full. So I'm going to wrap it up there. Thanks so much for listening, ladies. And if you'd like to delve into this more, or you'd like to learn about my Mind Body Lifestyle membership package, where we cover off all areas of primary and secondary food through online group coaching and more, please reach out to me either via our hello at nourishnurturebreathe.com email or our Nourish, Nurture, Breathe podcast, Instagram and Facebook channel. So we'll speak soon. Thank you so much for listening. We're really grateful for the time you spent with us and can't wait to do it again. If you're enjoying this podcast, please hop over to Apple Podcasts or Facebook and leave us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, please reach out to us via the Nourish, Nurture, Breathe Facebook or Instagram pages and check out nourishnurturebreathe.com for our show notes. Thank you and until next time, remember to nourish, nurture and breathe every day.